The following audio is from Restoration Southside Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where our mission is to restore people and places through mission, authenticity, and sacrifice. For more information, visit restorationsouthside.org.
studies want to see between the seasons, the wake-up call. There are those here who don't yet know you. I ask that you would cause the Holy Spirit to fall on them and bring them hope and comfort. For those of us who know you but have gone through you before, I ask God by your grace recently with giving a Harvard commencement speech. If you know her story at all, it's a powerful one. It's one where she began being so low and so discouraged, she was living out of a car, she even began to write some of the Harry Potter series out of a coffee shop mug. And yet now she's richer than the Queen of England. And so she comes to this place where she's going to talk to the elite, the creme de la creme, best in the business, the Harvard graduates. And they would probably imagine that she's going to come there and tell the story about how accomplishment after accomplishment pulled her and changed her and made her into the person that she was, but instead she has a very different perspective. Kelly pointed out that story to me when I was there. She said in her commencement speech, the years that my parents had me biggest failure of my life. No, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that failure is fun. That period of my life was a dark one. And I had no idea it was going to be what the press has since represented as the kind of fairy tale resolution. I had no idea then how far the tunnel extended for a long time. Any light at the end of it was a hope rather than a reality. So why do I talk to you about the benefits of failure? Simply because failure meant a stripping away of the innocence. I stopped pretending to myself that I was anything other than I was. I began to direct all my energy into finishing the only work that I could. Had I really succeeded at anything else, and that had never found the determination to succeed in the one arena that I believed still had a daughter whom I adored and an old typewriter and a big idea. And here's the thing. So rock bottom and a solid foundation are worth more than failure. Rock bottom became a solid foundation on which I rebuilt my life. Talking to the elite of society, she says, the best thing that could have possibly happened to me was rock bottom. It's that rock bottom that you figure out who you are. Figure out what your calling is. Her words are powerful. Not just for a room full of elite, they're powerful for us. It's actually the same story that we're hearing from Jonah. Jonah, one of the prophets of Yahweh. I know we just kind of run by the word prophet, but prophet means this. 
somebody was actually to speak God's words for him to hear. Speak God's words for him to hear. The prophet of Yahweh runs and he puts other people's lives in danger. He puts his comfort above anything else. And he wallows in his resentment and his losses. And he thinks he's going to outrun God and God hurls a storm at him. And then God moves the sailors to throw him overboard. And as if God hasn't chased him enough, he's finally sinking to the bottom thinking, at least it's over. At least it's all over. And he doesn't know who God is still speaking to. Those three verses are very, very close to the But it's an amazing way to profoundly speak God's truth into a life that needs to be First of all, we see God's resentment and rebuke. We see Jonah's incomplete prayer. We see God's God's relentless pursuit. Jonah's incomplete prayer and God's unfinished work. First of all, let's look at God's relentless pursuit. Look at verses 17 and 17. thing that you're praying against might be the very thing that 
push God off of his path. And God isn't going to use me in the ways that he wants to. God isn't going to work through me or on me in the ways that I would have wanted. And friends, this is just one test case of the fact that God is sovereign even over your sins. Getting away from God as far as he can to get Jonah's attention and to bless him. And actually to bless all of Nineveh because of what's about to happen to them. If you are in a place where you think, I've sinned enough, I've done too much wrong, God can't work. Friends, he is always using our sins to redirect us back to repentance. To a deepening trust of him. I mean that. I really want you to think about that. One of the Puritans said, if the Holy Spirit's only job was to stop you from sinning, the Holy Spirit's not really good at it, is he? Maybe the Holy Spirit's job primarily is to give you an experience over and over again, even allowing sin to stay in your life at times, so that it would deepen your trust in Jesus. And that's ultimately what's happening here, is that Jonah has disobeyed, and God's using Jonah's disobedience to bless Jonah. He's using Jonah's disobedience to bless Nineveh. He's using Jonah's disobedience to bless the pagan sailors. Don't delude yourself into thinking that in your sin, God is not working. should have known better. Even during the storm, maybe you feel like, I should have known better. I wasn't raised by a Christ follower. I wasn't rescued from that. Jonah should have known better. And Jared, I should have known better too. son runs off from his father, and yet he's the one who ends up at the party. Saul hunts Christians, and yet he ends up writing most of the New Testament. The sinful woman is mocked by the Pharisees, and yet she's the one who ends up with Jesus' encouraging word. The woman at the well is so ostracized that she's spending time in the middle of the blazing sun hot day so that she can be alone and not mocked, and yet she's the one who ends up with rescue. You have thought yourself unlikely for salvation. This is the God that we serve. Constantly going after the unlikely. The messed up, the wandered off. And that's why we as a church just want to communicate very clearly. We don't want you to think you come to this place and there are Christians here and they've got it together and if you want to linger here, you better get it together too. They're just like Jonah. They're just like David. Some faithfulness and then lots of unfaithfulness. God will one day judge you. 
called out of the void, out of the pit of death, out of the belly of Pharaoh while I cried and you took me, or you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, you stretched around me all your waves and billows meaningful about this is that Jonah knows that God is in control. Jonah knows that despite everything that he's happened, he said, you answered me. You cast me into the pit. This isn't the sailor's fault. This isn't this isn't something else. This is you cast me into the pit. This is not just some, some random happening. You are in control. See, what's meaningful about his prayer is that he understands that God also understands that Jonah himself can't fix it. Look in verse 6. He says, uh, The waters closed in over me, and I was glad when the deep dried up. The weeds were left around my head and roots were gone. I was down to the last and the bars were broken. So not only he knows that God is in control, but he knows he can't get himself out of this. You can literally imagine the scene where he's been dog paddling for a little while and Israelites are not accustomed to dealing with water. He's been dog paddling and the waves have been crashing over him and he begins to sink down and he's kind of sort of seeing and hearing the mess of the storm and the waves and the breakers crashing all over him. And he knows, I can't fix this. I am bound. I'm in prison. I can't First of all, that we realize that God is in control and out of control of things seen in the storm of life is that God is in control. And not only that, that you can't fix it. There's not something you can do to get yourself out of it. And you know that you know that to be true. Haven't you thought that God never going to do what you think He's going to do? And we slowly, we slow ourselves back down to the ground. We acknowledge that God Ultimately, Jonah knows that God has to move. And even though Jonah's confession comes up short, it's important that he gets that. Because you see what I mean? Verse 3, Yet shall I again look upon your holy temple and will pray. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. You're a prophet of God and you're drowning. And you're headed the opposite way. And two times in a short prayer, you bring up the holy temple. Why would he do that? Why does it matter? Because the temple was the place where people could come, ruined as they were, wrecked as they were, and they could come not so that they could fix their situation, but so God could fix their situation with the sacrificial temple. So as Jonah's drowning, what he has in mind is what I really need is forgiveness. I need the mercy seat sprinkled with blood. What I really need is forgiveness. And he's thinking of the holy temple. That's what he would have been thinking of. You and I 
both know then He needed sacrifice to cover over His sin. But since Jesus come, we don't need that anymore. We've been saved and rescued forever. Even the sin that you haven't gotten to yet. One of the commentators put it so easy, it's so important. It says, It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, He took sacrifice and offering He did not desire. But a body He burnt offerings and sin offerings. You must have Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First he said, Sacrifices and offerings and sin offerings you did not desire. Nor were you pleased with them. Though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will. He set aside the works he established in heaven. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures. Which means Jonah, as he's thinking, he knows he needs blood if he's actually going to be with God again. He needs a sacrifice. And what we're supposed to know is that when we're sinking into our sin and our addictions and our brokenness and our lostness, is that we need blood. We need the blood of Christ to cover over all of our sins. has paid for sins that we haven't even gotten to yet. Once and for all, we've been made holy once and for all through the sacrifice of Christ alone. And that's why you walk around with your eyes held up. Because you've already been made holy. to vain idols, and I forfeit the grace that could be mine. He's talking about others. The others who were pleading with their idols on the ship for their gods to come and move, and he says, you're you're forfeiting grace that could be yours, or the Ninevites, who will ultimately obey and repent. It's only Jonah, only God's prophet, that refuses. Sense of I understand, I get it now. I'm paying. 
I get what I've done wrong. And that's totally absent from John. He wants to talk about grace and rescue. He doesn't want to talk about what he's done to us. He wants to be relieved and upset. Right? Do we feel the love of God in our lives? Yes, we do. God rescues us is to 
that we can go and be a part of the rescue of others. That's how it works. Listen to this in Philippians 2, 4. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. How then can they call on the one who they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one they haven't heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching? couldn't find those, and so he didn't want to go to Kate, obviously, because he couldn't find any Kate. So he couldn't find her, and so he decided that he was going to go searching for her. And so in the car, he's looking at movies, watching things, yelling, scolding, I'm not going to school, I'm not going to school, I can't believe I'm searching for school, it would be so embarrassing. But not thought, not thought, he decides to go, and he says, I'm not getting out of the car, I'm not getting out of the car, and he yells out close the sliding door, and the driver looks up at him, and he hears that voice. No, no, I'm, I can't believe stupid shoes, and not only that, now everyone's going to know that I'm trying. And he wants out. Son of Man will be three days and 